Hello and welcome to episode two of Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. And today we're going to continue the story of, of where it all started, I guess, the very early years. So let me tell you a quick story about when I was 20 years old. I was an assistant manager at Jacobs Photographic. Um, it was interesting because it was in Nottingham, which for those that don't know, that's about 30 minutes down the road from Derby. And each day my dad would give me a lift to work, bless him. He'd get up early in the morning. He had no he didn't need to get up that early in the morning, but he did for me. And um I'll never forget that generosity. Um but each day I'd catch the, the train um and I'd stand on a cold platform, worried about where life was maybe going, but determined to make sure that health and illness wasn't gonna hold me back. Um I'd been on dialysis maybe for about a few months and the and the routine had become fairly normal but there, there was a miracle that I hadn't anticipated um, happening and it was that I met a lady called Kelly. Um, at first I thought she was a bit bonkers and mad um, but she had this amazing heart um, and she's been my wife now for 15 years. I hope I've got that right. Um, I'm pretty certain it's 15 years. Um, it's worth understanding before I met Kelly I thought no one would go out with me and I know that sounds slightly pathetic maybe in some ways but I didn't look great with my health being the way it is um, even today with the medication my spots still flare up quite a lot and uh, HD does me no good whatsoever um, for those watching on video <laughs> for those on the podcast you have no worry about my uh, skin complexion whatsoever um, but anyway yeah so I didn't look great with my health and even at that young age I came with baggage you know the baggage of chronic illness something that you thought I didn't think anybody else would want to take it on let's put it that way um, it's a testament to who Kelly is that she saw through those challenges and was willing to take me on regardless. Um, life was go going well, all considering. Um, then one day Telly Kelly told me that she was pregnant and that she was expecting a baby, which considering my health was a massive surprise and shock to say the least. The most important thing at the time, I. I I genuinely didn't believe I could be a father. I was only just managing to look after myself. My wages were low, relatively, and, and both Kelly and I still lived with our parents. The sheer panic of how I was going to provide for Kelly and the baby haunted me every day. At the time, I was trying to just enjoy and make the most of what I had, uh, which was an amazing girlfriend a good job that kept me going despite the low wages it gave me purpose and meaning and I was loving my time with Kelly. I was struggling with coming to terms with having a child on the way while not being able to provide and not being certain of my capability. Sitting on the train traveling to work I'd sit by the window I can remember leaning my face against the side, the cold window, touching my cheek, and I'd listen to music. I believe it was on a CD player back in those days. It might have been the first iPod, actually. I'm not sure. Um, and I'd be staring out the window into the distance, just worrying, worrying about what if the self-doubt that can go through your mind when things like this happen over and over again. The words, what if, what if I can't do it and I'm not good enough and something that happens even worse to me health-wise. Um, stress and panic became again a common theme for a while. A family on both sides were amazingly supportive and gave lots of reassuring support. But then 
at the, at the end of the day, the bottom fell out from under me when I realised having only GCSEs to my name and a, sell, a, a shop assistant's job, I couldn't really support Kelly and the baby. I realised everything that needed to happen, that needed to be in place before the baby was born. I need really, I can't articulate this well enough, but the sheer enormity of everything that was before me and, and Kelly for that matter, um, really started to hit home. Sitting on the train, I, I would be staring out, wondering what could I do? How could I? get through this situation and the situation meant I couldn't stay in my current job I couldn't just ignore the situation <laughs> the baby was on his way right uh, regardless I needed to go and find a good job that would lead to a career pay enough to support us and the hours had to fit around dialysis which was four hours on the machine washing machine which was about five hours three times a week at least minimum I had to find a way to get us a house and live together. Um, not long after I started, I started to dream about a plan of how to make this work. So the panic, the worry, the stress, that all kind of dissipated and practicality turned in and determination turned in. Just like the few years before when I'd had the news about the kidneys coming to an end and having to go on dialysis. It was a similar kind of transition. My mind had to go through that emotional wall and then go into this world of, what can be done? What can be achieved? The, the why was massive. The shoulds became musts. Okay. So, um, one fairly cloudy, overcast day. On my usual train journey, the train pulls slowly out from the station. It travels not far down the road and starts heading towards Nottingham. And on the left, there was this new um, business park, industrial park, it was called Pride Park. It was something quite new and, and major for egg, um, for Derby at the time. There wasn't many places on there at all. And you, you could just see one big building and, and this big building had on the side of it three letters, big bright white, it just said egg. Now, I don't know why it was the font, whoever chose that font, I, I still don't know. Um, it just appealed, it looked funky, it looked clean, I was like, and it, it drove curiosity. Um, I'm not a big believer in the law of attraction, but I knew I, in, my, in my gut that I, something about that building fitted in with what I needed to do and I had to find out about it. And it was, it was only a few days later um, when you can imagine I was feeling low and worried, but. I wasn't ready to give up on my dream. I, I dreamt now of, of getting the house. I could picture it in my mind. I, being the greatest dad I could possibly be. Having an amazing family. Um, which is all basic fundamentals. But that was a, a mountain to climb. But I could picture it in my mind. I decided to start looking for a new job. And back in those days, with you know, internet still, you don't search for a job, I don't think, back then. You, well, certainly I didn't. I picked up a newspaper and I'd search through the newspaper every day and each job would, would look fairly mundane, fairly standard, not that interesting. And then one day I, I turned the page and this advert appeared. I'm colorblind, so I can't 
colour might be wrong, but I think it was green. I think it was a big green advert, again with white text, and it stood out against every other advert it was just its normal black and white um, thing. And it, it was egg. Now, when I looked at that job, it was a bank and it was hiring lending sales assistants. I had no idea what that actually really meant at the time. But what I did know was a, working at a bank in a sales role and looking at the salary that was offered, it was the answer to what I needed. And then I read through the values and, and, the, and the mission was kind of written out there and what kind of people they were looking for. And it all seemed to fit into place. Um, and I thought, I, I knew this would be the answer. And I knew I had to get the job. So I put my heart and soul into an application. I read several books on interviews to make sure I was prepared as I possibly could be for this um, forthcoming interview. And the day I went to, for an interview, walked to this building, there was a big uh, reception area. And I can remember in the reception area, there was something about Formula One racing cars. And you sat down on a couch and waited for somebody to come and take you through the security doors. And... As you walk through the security doors, I guess it's a bit like that Harry Potter moment where he walks into the Great Hall. But there was this massive atrium. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, and a spiral staircase going up to the top. And we, they walked us up there and they walked us into this kind of waiting room. There's lots of other people around. And we went for our first interview. And this, this interview um, was in a room, lots of round desks. Um, there was at least 50 people in there being interviewed if I remember rightly. Um, it was in what was called the Enterprise Room. It was it looked particularly space age, sci-fi um, and stuff going on. And there was interviews going all over the place and um, did a standard normal kind of interview I guess and uh, it seemed to go well. What well, self-doubt was still ticking away in the back of my mind. Um, then when I walked out there was this guy, um, JJ, John, um, he, he smiled, he went you're that kid, aren't you? Well, I don't know. And then he turned to one of the recruitment specialists, one of the recruitment agency specialists. He was, this is the kid that's um, that's been employed since the age of 14. Now, I didn't know whether to take offence being called a kid. I was 20, but <laughs> I did look young, that's for sure. Um, and they both smiled and laughed. And I didn't know why. I'd just put down everything that I was proud of on my CV and everything that I thought would make a difference to me getting the job. And um, it certainly did help me stand out. That's for sure. And at that point, I also realised, I started to connect that, yes, I've had a, all these challenges go on. And my challenges are by no means the hardest challenges in the world. They are potentially for me, or in comparison to other people in the world. But anyway... I realised that I'd had challenges and I'd overcome those challenges and I'd managed to stick in a job and stick at it since about the age of 14. Not full time, of course, but I had paid kind of employment since about the age of 14, one way or another. And um, I, you had to go through three stages of interview. One stage of interview was very odd. It was you had to put a headset on and you had a computer in front of you and there was a lady in another room who phoned through and pretended to be a customer. You had to type on the keyboard whilst talking at the same time. And I'd never done anything like that before. And I walked out thinking, ah, I don't know, I thought everybody else had done better talking to them. And I, I, my heart sank and I didn't think I was going to get the job. The call came through though, not not, not long after. My, my heart, as soon as that phone rang, my heart was pounding, the sweaty palms 
flashes of yeses, flashes of noes, all shoot through your mind at the same time. Possibilities, downsides, what's going to happen. You pick up the phone, you try to be as confident as possible. You put that outside persona on. I got the job. I was there for 10 years in total. It was an amazing culture, the training, the people. It was all ahead of its time. I know some people didn't enjoy it, but it set me up for life, really. Um, but that's not the important thing about this, and that's not the reason why I'm telling you this. This was just one of the areas that started to turn out well. You see, despite all, all of those challenges, which I know I've said challenges quite often, but that's what was happening, Kelly and I remained very positive and practical throughout the process. With the support of family, we had found a house. We'd put an offer in, we'd, we'd put it in below the market value, and we'd got that house. And the delight on Kelly and I's face the day that call came through, and just the sheer nerves of putting in the call to put an offer in for starters was, was massive. We moved into the house in about February 2001 just four months after I'd got the job. And April 2001, Joe was born. Life was tough. We were trying to manage everything as a new family. And um, I was still going to Dallas at the time. But I was on a transplant list. And I'd been given a bleeper for those that can remember pages, bleepers, and you had to carry that around wherever. And if that went off, you had to phone the hospital and get in touch with them and see what was going off. And... Uh, one Sunday, despite going this bleeper around, I just I actually got a phone call, and uh, it was unusual to get a phone call on a Sunday, so I answered it, and, and a kidney had become available, and um, I rushed into hospital, and in October that year, I had a transplant, um, which is a blessing beyond belief. Um, so in all, in essence, in two thousand and one. We achieved more than I ever thought was possible. If somebody had asked me what was possible, the things that we achieved in 2001 wouldn't have listed anywhere close. What we achieved was I had a loving partner in my, in my life, a house, my first car, the most amazing son ever, and a transplant to be able to live a life again and push forward. Looking back, I'm not saying it was easy, but circumstances forced us to cope and handle things. This is why I know that the impossible can become possible if you have the need, want and desire for it. In 2001, I discovered how to handle even the biggest problems. Having a big enough why will drive you to achieve your goals. You can use problems to create solutions. It was a dream come true and I had the miracle of my son Joe. And everything I thought was not going to be in my life was. From that day forward, I was never willing to let circumstances stop me. And I never had to worry about feeling powerless. I knew if I wanted the power, I could have the power to take control. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping others to make their business ambitions come true. So you can experience being the best you could possibly be and overcoming challenges. Because with the right resources, with the right why, with the right support, it's possible. And uh, that's not just rhetoric, that's the way I truly believe. I don't live it every single day, every minute. I have good days and bad days. But ultimately, I know from experience that the, the impossible <laughs> can become possible. 
Thanks very much for watching and listening. That's episode two. I look forward to speaking to you all soon. Take care. Bye-bye.